Jesus tells a story from the Gospel of Matthew chapter 20 about a vineyard owner. He says the kingdom of heaven is like the owner of a vineyard who goes out early in the morning to find workers to work on his vineyard. They agree on a day's wage. He brings them back. He goes out again at nine and at noon and at three. He does this throughout the day. At five o'clock, finally, one hour before the end of business, he goes out and there's still people in the marketplace looking for work. And he says, what are you doing here? Why have you been here all day? And they say, well, no one's hired us yet. We haven't found any work. He's like, well, come back. An hour later, he tells the foreman, line up all the workers and begin to pay them. Begin first with those who I brought home last and give them the full day's wage. Now, when those who got there first in the morning, when they see that the people who'd only worked one hour were getting the full daily wage, they begin to get kind of excited. Like, surely I'm going to get a lot more. But when they get to the front of the line, it's the same for them as it is for everyone else. Everyone gets the exact same amount of pay, and they begin to grumble as you would. They say, this isn't very fair. We've borne the full weight of the day, the scorching heat. How could you treat them as equal to us? And he says to them in response, friend, I have done you no wrong. We have, I've only given you what I agreed to give you at the beginning of the day. Take what is yours and go. If I choose to give to those who came last, the same that I give to you who came first, am I not entitled to do that? Do you begrudge me the ability to use my wealth the way that I so choose? Or are you envious because I'm generous? And then Jesus says as a coda, and so the last shall be first and the first shall be last. And Jesus told lots of stories like this throughout his ministry. They just sprang up from the ground where he walked in Palestine. They were inspired by the olive groves and the vineyards and the fishing towns and packed streets full of wedding guests waiting for a bride and groom to process through the city streets. Jesus looked around Palestine and saw the landscape and the backdrop of a story that he said would convey the secrets of the kingdom of God which is what this story is. It's about a person who's doing something very relatable. He's looking for people to work on his land. And just as is true today, there was a whole segment of society that didn't have regular work. They were dependent on finding odd jobs and one-offs in order to pay the bills. And in that day, they gathered in the marketplace. Today, they stand outside of home improvement stores and in grocery store parking lots and gas stations. And they wait for someone to come by and pick them up and load them in the back of a pickup truck. And in this day, this man goes out and he finds these people and brings them back. And Jesus has a story for us about what God is like, what the kingdom is like, and what it would mean, therefore, for you and me to be citizens in this kingdom, in this story. Now, in the story, there are three surprises and one thing that's not a surprise at all. So we'll talk about the surprises first. First of all, we're surprised, or we should be, by who is doing the hiring, It's the master himself. It's the owner of the vineyard who's going into the marketplace all these times to get the workers. You say, like, that doesn't feel very surprising to me. Well, if if you read into the story, you see that there was a foreman. There was a manager. There was a person whose job it was to go and get these workers. That was actually what the foreman's job is. There's no reason for this master to leave the sanctuary of his, of his estate to go out into the commonplace and to the marketplace to get workers. He never should have gone. And yet he chooses to leave the sanctuary and the insulation of his home and go out into common spaces. And not just once. It's not like as if the foreman had like a crazy morning at home and one of the kids forgot a project and they were late for the bus and then the baby pooped her diaper right as they were trying to put her in the car seat. And so he was running a little bit late. This is something that the manager chose five different times throughout the day to leave and to go and to find more. Why? Well, it's, it's, can't, it's not because he's inexperienced. This, this is a, a, a wealthy, successful landowner. He goes back again and again because 
not because he needs more workers, but because he wants to check on to see if there are more workers. Are there more people who are willing to come? Are there more people who have not been able to find a day's work? And he goes back again and again to check on how those who he saw throughout the day have fared. And every time he brings back more with him, because this is a parable about the kingdom, specifically about the king. And what is the king of this kingdom like? He is like a compassionate master who goes out for the sake of the worker to find and call anyone who's willing to come, no matter how late in the day it is, to come and to work for him. So that's the first surprise. Who's doing the hiring? The second surprise is what they're getting paid. They all get paid the same amount, whether you've been there for 11 hours or for one hour. They get paid the day's wage. And and obviously, this creates quite a bit of, of um, confusion, outrage, and we'll talk about that in a second. But for right now, we're just supposed to notice it, that that these people, whether they work one hour or, or 12, are getting the exact same amount when they go home. Finally, the third surprise we see from this is that when they come forward, they are lined up in reverse order. They, they, most, the most natural and obvious way to do this would have been to bring everyone forward and begin first with those who'd been there all day. They're the most tired. They've worked the hardest. Give them what they've earned and send them on their way. And in fact, if you think about it, and this is really like the meat of the parable right here. If the master had wanted to uh, avoid controversy, he would have done it that way because those who came first would have received what they had agreed upon. They would have gone home joyful. They got a job. And then every group of people subsequently would have had the same experience. Oh, I can't believe I'm getting this much. And they would have gone home happily. The manager lines them up this way. The master tells them to line up this way because he wants to showcase his generosity to all of them. He wants them all to see that he is willing to give to those who had just come at the very end, the same that he is giving to those who came at the beginning. Because this is not a parable about just compensation. It's not a parable about equal pay for equal work. It is a parable about what the kingdom of God is like. And the kingdom of God is, a, is, is, is like a master who is willing to give the same to all, regardless of whether or not you're an early adopter or a, a latecomer. All are given equal opportunity. All are given equal benefit. So those are the three surprises. So what's not the surprise? And this is pretty obvious. The thing that's not a surprise is that this doesn't go well. The people don't like this. And you and I don't have to work very hard to imagine feeling that way. I mean, if I was one of those people who, who'd been there for the whole day, when I saw those, those, those latecomers, those one-hour worker lazy people get a full day's wage, I would have immediately begun to imagine how much more was coming to me three, four, maybe five times as much, surely. And I would have begun to dream about what I would do with the extra money, the work on the house I'd finally be able to get, or just imagine the meal that I'd be able to bring home to my family that night and celebrate. You wouldn't believe what happened today. And when I got to the front of the line and opened my hand and felt drop in my palm the same coin that had dropped in those first people's hands, I would have immediately felt like everything I'd done that day had been cheapened, that I hadn't been given credit that I was, that I was owed. This is a parable about expectations, about what happens, what happens when you don't get what you think you have coming to you. What happens when you and I expect an outcome, whether it's in our life or, or whatever, and it doesn't work out the way it's supposed to? How do you handle it when you've been there as long as the other person and even longer and yet you get passed up and they get the opportunity? What happens when you when you are kept on the outside of something and you want to be on the inside? And meanwhile, people who come after you are brought into the inside. How do you do with disappointment? How do I do with disappointment? And Jesus is telling a story because he wants you and me to wrestle with that question. 
the people begin to grumble and they say, this isn't fair. And the, and the master essentially replies, look, you guys get to go home to your family and they get to be proud of you for the day's wage. They get to, they get to thank you and you get to go home with joy. What if I want to give that exact same gift to these people as well? What if I want them to cross the thresholds of their home with joy and pride, just as I want you to do that? Am I not entitled to do that? Are you, he says, begrudging my generosity? Now, we might say, okay, but I mean, fair is fair. I mean, this feels wrong. I mean, this doesn't, it doesn't feel right. It feels wrong. One of my favorite uh, stories in the Bible is the story of Jonah. And um, if I told you why, it would take me an hour. So I'll, I won't right now. But at the end of the story of Jonah, he ends up where he should have been all along. He ends up in Nineveh. Nineveh is the, the, the capital of Assyria at this time. It's a, it's a terrifying, pagan, ruthless empire. And, and he is called by God to go to this very dangerous place where he, his life is at risk and to, and to proclaim to them uh, that they need to repent or else God's going to judge and destroy them. Not something that anybody in their sane mind would want to do, which is why he starts going in the wrong direction, which is how he ends up on a boat, which is how he ends up in the sea, which is how he ends up inside a fish. But eventually he ends up where he's supposed to be in Nineveh. And when he gets to Nineveh, he does what he was supposed to do all along. He says, hey guys, God's going to destroy you if you don't repent. And lo and behold, they repent. Every one of them. The king tears his garments. He repents in sackcloth and ashes. He, it even says that he, he, he required the whole country to, to, to fast and repent. They even dressed the livestock up in sackcloth, sort of a comedic gesture just to show that every corner of this empire is touched by the preaching of Jonah. And Jonah, when he sees this, he goes outside the city walls, he falls down on the ground, he mopes, he sulks, and he begins to cry out to God, I knew it. I knew you were going to do it this way. I, this is why I didn't want to come. I knew that if I came here and I preached to them, they were going to repent and then you were going to spare them and they don't deserve to be spared. They deserve to die. They've created all this chaos and havoc for my country. They deserve to suffer for what they've done. And I knew you were a gracious God and it's why I didn't want to come and do this. Eugene Peterson wrote a book on this story, this, the Jonah story called Under the Unpredictable Plant, uh, which I love. Um, but he writes of this, he goes, Jonah is angry uh, because he has been surprised by the graciousness of God. He is surprised by grace. What he expects God to do and what God actually does differ um, significantly. And as a result, Jonah sulks. He's furious. He's angry. In fact, the word anger shows up six times in just the last chapter of Jonah because he is so disappointed with what God is actually like, with how gracious he is. And Peterson goes on to say, anger is a healthy diagnostic tool. Anger tells us that something is wrong. Either something is wrong outside of us or it's wrong inside of us. If it's wrong outside of us, then we're justified in our anger. We have a reason to be angry. But if it's something that's going on inside of us, an imbalance or uh, an underdeveloped heart or just envy, just a deep jealousy of others. Well, it's a warning light on the dashboard. It's an indicator that something is off inside of us. What makes you angry? Jesus is telling a story intentionally meant, it's designed and engineered perfectly by the master storyteller to poke at that thing inside of you and me that gets angry when we see people that we don't think deserve what they're getting, get it. Jesus wants you and me to know that the kingdom of God is open and available to everyone. 
whether you've been here all along or you just came. Whether you're Peter and you leave your nets on the, on the shore and you follow Jesus all the way to your own crucifixion or you're the thief on the cross who in a dying gasp pleads for mercy. The kingdom is open to all of us and you and I do not get to choose who is in and who is out. You and I don't get to pick and draw the lines. It's God's job. God gets to be merciful to whom he gets to be merciful. He gets to be generous to whom he gets to be generous. It's his say. It's his call entirely. And the kingdom of heaven, Jesus wants you and me to know, is both just and merciful. And it's not merciful in the sense like, so therefore nothing really matters and just do whatever you want. No, it is just but it is also merciful. And so what you and I are called to do is to be people who pick up rejoicing and the glad shout when we see people who are given grace that they don't deserve. Because Jesus wants you and me to know that the kingdom of heaven is like a master who gives equally to all, who shows no partiality even between those who have done much and those who have done little. But the kingdom instead is mysteriously generous And if it shows partiality at all, it is towards those of us who least deserve it. And so would you pray with me now the Lord's Prayer as we remember that God forgives our sins and calls us to be forgiving people. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who've trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. My name is Evan Anderson and I'm a physician. I would like to take a moment to pray for any of any of you who are in the medical field as well as all medical professionals across the world. Sanctify, O Lord, those whom you have called to the study and practice of the arts of healing and to the prevention of disease and pain. Strengthen them by your life-giving spirit, that by their ministries the health of the community may be promoted in your creation glorified. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you as you work on the front lines of this pandemic. And may the Lord bless and keep your families as well. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and